Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and joining him today is Alex Kruder of Kirby. So we sell cars online like Amazon sells books. And Darren McLean of Territorial. We're a, a creative agency that is both doing work for clients, but also doing some of our own product development um, around mental health. I personally got started in the startup space about 10 years ago when I worked on a project called Quantum Shift. In this episode, we discuss completely redefining the idea of the used car dealership and how sometimes a great client can make for an even better partner. Welcome to Startupville. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. So what inspired you to go into this direction over any other one? Or was this the latest project in a in a line of other things you had been working on? You know, it's I've been the consummate uh, for a long time. I was the consummate, you know, armchair entrepreneur, I would say. Uh, I tried a lot of different businesses, uh, but really small. I always wanted to do something that I could uh, do on the side. Um, and really what I was concerned with at those times was, uh, was failure. I didn't want to have to report that back to anyone that mattered. And then um, things changed uh, a few years ago, about three and a half years ago. Uh, I realized uh, I was working uh, in finance, uh, in capital markets at uh, Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. And um, it just wasn't really a good place for me. Uh, I'd been, you know, I, I, I had this drive for a long time to get something of my own going. And uh, working for, you know, especially in this case, a crown agency, felt kind of like being a little bit in jail. And so uh, I needed to stretch my wings more so. So um, when I left that organization, I began looking for my own project. And I, at the time, I was running a small company called Bridge Starter, uh, which created uh, conduits in Canada for foreign entrepreneurs uh, to launch um, projects on Kickstarter. And so that was a really lucrative uh, but small business uh, for the time. And uh, it was great. I loved operating it all by myself. Um, there were some changes that happened at Kickstarter, which uh, didn't force me to shut the to shut the business down, but it made it a little less attractive to run. Uh, but it turns out that was a great thing. Uh, it returned my attention to looking for something a little bit bigger. And uh, I've been following uh, developments in the United States uh, with respect to the automotive field, uh, sector for quite some time. Uh, so Room Carvana, another company at the time called BP, were on my radar. And um, uh, I've been trying to come up with, um, they were on my radar because I was contemplating, you know, for some time to move down to Chicago. And um, long story short is that the move to Chicago never happened, but my fascination with these companies didn't, I didn't, um, it didn't go away. And so uh, what I realized is that uh, no one's doing these, what they're up to um, in the state, no one's doing that in Canada. So I thought, why don't we just bring that here? And that's where everything started. Uh, I began tapping my network to look for, for partners that, uh, you know, had a, a better background in uh, automobiles than I had, uh, specifically with uh, in the, the dealership space. And uh, it's just amazing what happened from there. Um, my, my business partner and I initially tried to found this company in Calgary. Uh, we, he was on his way to moving there and I was actually living there at the time. But um, it's incredible. Uh, suddenly, every single time we were looking for, you know, a partner or some money, it came from Saskatoon. This place just had its own gravity, and uh, that's why we're here. I mean, on on many levels, it really intrigues me how Calgary wasn't the place 
to start this being a bigger center and potentially a, a bigger market if you're looking in local terms. But what do you think drove Saskatchewan investors to show the level of interest that was lacking in Alberta? That's a really good question. I don't know all the answers, but um, there's a few things that I can say. Um, I'd say that uh, for us, uh, once we started, once we decided to stop trying to control the process and turn ourselves over to it, realizing that there just happens to be some sort of, there's a force of nature pushing us in this direction, um, we realized there's a lot of benefits. And uh, one of the biggest ones was that this is more of a relationship-based market, uh, Saskatoon that, that, that is. Uh, and that means um, we, we figured that we would spend less on promotion uh, to, get, um, to get our business up and running here than we would in a place like Calgary, where it's more transaction-based. And so that was a major source of comfort for us. Um, we expected that we would be able to tap our local networks, you know, friends and family. So uh, social media, for example, could be a, good, uh, a great place for us to get the business going. We also expected, though, that if we were in the public, you know, if we went down to farmers markets and started talking about what we do, uh, or if we uh, did, you know, what we call delightful deliveries, where uh, we would encounter people, uh, just you know, strangers on the street, uh, and provide them with uh, with some treats. We had like a we had a cupcake thing going for a while. Uh, we it was we called it our sweet deals on wheels campaign. Um, we got to meet meet over 1,200 people that way, and um, it helped us in a lot of ways. You know, it drove traffic to our website. It helped us with our initial success, but it also started honing things like our messaging. So at the beginning, when I said that you know Kirby sells cars online like Amazon sells books, uh, that was hardened and formed over 1,200 interactions with people, ranging from people getting upset when we said that we are an online car dealership, uh, all the way to just being puzzled when we said that we're uh, Canada's first online vehicle retailer. And so, um, and these things all helped us uh, when we spoke to investors. When we communicated with the uh, the incubator here at, at Collabs, um, it's made us who we are. This continues to intrigue me. Looking at your organization, looking at how you've really taken it from the streets and meeting people and pressing the flesh to um, gathering investment uh, to to where you are today, and and maybe we can talk a little bit about that process and and how Darren fits into fits into the machine. When did when did uh, Darren Stroke Territorial get involved? Was it a a previous friendship or a relationship? And how did uh, Darren's involvement and and time investment or financial investment uh, help you on that journey. I, oh, I, that's a great story. Um, meeting territorial was uh, was a, was a really important piece for us. Um, we brought them in uh, fairly early on in our journey. The um, my business partner and I we we both realized that we had uh, we have strengths and we have weaknesses. Um, I'm a finance guy fundamentally. My business partner is he's a car guy. And, uh, and that's great for running a company, but marketing is also very important. So we began looking for that right marketing partner. Um, at the time, we scoured the city of Saskatoon looking for any organization locally that we could use that would, be, uh, that would satisfy the needs that we had. Um, we ended up landing on Territorial um, because uh, well, a number of reasons. One, I mean, Darren, I think, uh, well, in that first presentation we had, that you guys had for us about why we should do business with you, uh, you disassembled and taken apart uh, the one of our model websites that we wanted to uh, mimic. And um, he told us exactly why every piece of messaging was important on there. 
and it was uh, it was eye opening. You know, never realized how subtle some of these things were that were um, you know conveying information and messaging just a sense of comfort uh, that we that we wanted to connote or we wanted to exude on our website and uh, our web app. I guess at the end of the day. So long story short is, uh, yeah, it started because we uh, we were just bouncing around the city looking for a marketing partner, and um, you know we had um, we'd met with a lot of different companies, and um, yeah, these guys were kind of the closest thing to I'd say a Silicon Valley marketing company that Saskatoon had, and that that fit uh, what we were looking for. So Darren, from your point of view and and the relationship that you built with with um, Alex. <laughs> On, on the journey of, of discovery, this discovery process, how did it go from being a marketing partner or a marketing provider to actually going, yeah, do you know what? I'm interested in investing in this. Yeah, so I remember the first meeting very well. I think it was January, um, Brent and Alex walked in and we had sort of this lit list presentation laid out on the wall and um, I guess from from the first point of the idea um, that was sort of um, where Kirby was coming from and, and the models that were down in the States, it was very clear to me that this is a good idea because it was solving a problem that was so obvious. And that is that nobody wants to go and buy a used vehicle because of everything around that, right? It's so obvious. So there's a, a a really interesting sort of opportunity to look at this from a totally fresh perspective. And um, so so that was intriguing. And obviously, there was models in place that were being effective uh, down in the States. But I didn't know about these guys. I'd never met Alex and Brent before in my life. It was a total sort of like cold call. And uh, they walked in. And I don't know, I think it was like a two and a half hour, two hour meeting or something like that, where we we're just like, discussing, riffing on ideas, going through everything that was there. And um, for me, I got a sense from the very beginning that both Alex and, uh, Alex and Brenda are super switched on, they're smart, um, and they're genuine. So um, I felt like from my perspective and even from a company perspective, um, as a as being involved, um, we could even, we could, we could help, but we could also learn from them. So that's really fascinating and and where my mind now goes is the step from being out there on the streets alex uh, and and testing your message testing the positioning and then effectively having this this advice and and this support network from territorial that's interesting but how did you test the concept as you modeled through the business has it changed from your first iteration of what you wanted kirby to be was it always called kirby did it change did that evolve um did the way that you have processes within the organization change and how did you test that yeah that's great it's uh i think yeah uh, and you're uh we pivoted a lot <laughs> it's uh the original conception for kirby looked uh it, remarkably different. Uh, it looked a lot more like this one company in the US, uh, BP. Um, and what they did is they would, um, they would they would procure vehicles exclusively from the public at large. Uh, but the way that it worked is that they would effectively consign the sale, uh, but let the, let the person selling the vehicle hold on to it for the next month. But they'd guarantee that if the vehicle didn't get sold within the month, 
that they would pick it up and then they would uh, they would that they just buy it and own it themselves and then sell it as part of their own collection. Uh, and that was an interesting thing because we what we thought initially was oh wow you don't need any uh, any um, any in money for inventory you don't need working capital to get this business started this sounds great let's do this um, but what you find very quickly once you start getting involved in this game is uh, how important logistics are and uh, and it turns out that like the amount of the, the logistical cost to running a business that way is tremendous. Um, additionally, you can't, most cars don't sell within 30 days, they sell within 45 or 60. And so the point is you're still buying these cars. And so you still need to have, you know, working capital set aside for this, but it also doesn't, this, the, uh, the worst part is it doesn't solve a problem for the, the customer. That guy wants to move a car and it's still sitting in his driveway for the next 30 days after he's given it to you essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is the dilemma. We figured that we could operate, uh, offer something a little bit better. And so uh, what that meant was, um, you know, actually purchasing the vehicles and at the time owning inventory. We knew that that's not where we wanted to be in the even the medium term. Uh, you know, if, if as a tech company, uh, tech companies never want to own any anything other than intellectual property. And um, because that that's the part of the business that's scalable, it's very valuable. And so uh, we dedicated ourselves uh, over the next, well, I'd say more almost 12 months to figuring out, figuring out how we get the inventory out of our company. Um, but to begin with, let's test, let's run a business, you know, where we control all the elements. Uh, this is our prototype and uh, let's see where it goes. Because if we can sell cars, um, you know, there's this, uh, this something I was talking with uh, Dan Samara about a while ago. Uh, he's one of the founders of Skip the Dishes and it was um, money attracts money. And so if we can sell cars, we can raise capital. And that became not the mantra, but that was one of those things that we, we believed. And so we ran what was otherwise uh, you know, I'd say an inefficient uh, prototype, but with the view of, you know, with a view to getting us to a place where we can raise capital to build a real organization uh, that is itself self-sustaining. So looking beyond uh, that modeling and, and going through the different iterations of your organization, so you've, you've got marketing support. Darren um, comes in as an investor. When we look at the investment side in your organization how did you go about saying hey we've got this idea it's a thing elsewhere who who were the who were the who were the people who were the types of people that you approached was it a case of friends family first point contacts or was it that plus going to the industry and sounding out the industry to find out if anyone in that area would be interested in supporting it yeah, I mean, really good question. So um, our, our funding journey was an interesting one because uh, I, the way that uh, I talk about it is that we we were looking between all the, the seat cushions. You know, we're, any place where we can get, like shake some nickels out is what we were looking for. Uh, so we wouldn't leave any rocks left unturned. Um, so we had that search going, but we also, and this is the other part to it too, um, every investor that we got was always a willing participant. The sales, the sales process was not that involved. Um, in fact, in many cases, we turned down money. Um, and so uh, before we went to Territorial, as an example, there was another marketing uh, firm in the city here uh, that they made a very generous offer uh, to invest about half a million dollars in Kirby. And we chose not to go down that path because there were a lot of strings attached to that money. But also the, the thinking that that organization had, it just didn't match where we were. Um, they, they weren't nimble and small. They didn't know how to hack things. Uh, they knew how to make things big and expensive. And so uh, maybe one day that's going to be a good uh, marketing partner for us, but not to begin with. And so, um, anyway, so 
what looking through the seat cushions looked like for us though was um, we started going to unconventional places or think places that I don't think every entrepreneur considers when looking for for investment dollars. Uh, so we did go to our suppliers and we found it from some of them. Uh, we did go to, um, I mean, obviously friends and family, uh, but we also went to our competitors. And that's where, strangely enough, that's where we found the bulk of the investment dollars that we've picked up. So as of now, we've raised uh, just, well, $2.6 million. And, um, you know, two of that, two million of that money has come from competitors. And so what's interesting about this, I find, is that, um, you know, especially in a sector like, like ours, where it's so, so territorial, uh, where they, where every car dealership hates the other car, all the other car dealerships, and they, they never work together. Uh, because we extended that olive branch and we were those, the first guys to do it. It was incredible to see, you know, just how many phone calls got returned and how open all these dealerships were to these dealership groups were to working with us. And so uh, and, and anyway, that's where we raised the bulk of our capital. So it's suppliers and competitors, which I think is interesting. That's really fascinating. And um, from being able to fund uh, the process and what you're doing, you, you must have spent some time doing some number crunching and profiling of who your ideal audiences are. Give me a, a profile or a persona of, of who is your ideal buyer. <laughs> you mean for automobiles? Oh, yeah. So we're actually, honestly, we're just figuring all this stuff out right now. Um, that's, uh, we've sold quite a few vehicles. Um, and we've done, we've crunched a lot of numbers on who these people are, uh, but to distill it down to a couple of profiles has been, uh, it, it, right at this point, uh, it's too early to say who these people are. Uh, but we do have a lot of assumptions on who these individuals are. And some of these assumptions are bearing out. So for example, we believe that um, if someone's gonna be buying a vehicle online, they're probably already buying things online. And so uh, the people that tend to buy things online tend to be uh, millennials and Gen Xers, baby boomers, they do spend a lot online, but they are, the propensity for the individual purchase, person to make a purchase is definitely lower. Um, and so what we found is that, you know, uh, yeah, it turns out that our, uh, our customers do tend to fall in those, uh, into those two um, uh, population cohorts. But what's also interesting is that we do sell uh, a lot of very expensive vehicles, and those ones go to people who live on farms. They're not in the city. And so they're accustomed to uh, either driving to go and pick up a vehicle from a different uh, a different center, or I mean, they're also accustomed to having things delivered to them, which is what we do. And that so that's an interesting thing, um, you know. And so I, so we learn as we go. And so we're we're learning how to uh, how who we appeal to uh, and how we how we speak their language. Okay, and maybe this is a question for Darren. Do you then consider doing split marketing for those different audiences? So say someone on the farm or someone living more or the persona living more rurally compared to someone who's city-based and maybe younger. Do you split the messaging on that? Um, at this point, <clears throat> at this point, we're testing a lot of different messaging and and seeing what works. Um, but I, I don't. At this point, I don't think we do because um, fundamentally, no matter what age these people are, I think at the core, they're a, sort of like a similar psychographic of, of, of people. They're, they're willing to take a bit of a risk. They're um, obviously looking for what they want uh, and know what they want. And that doesn't necessarily matter um, if they're a 65-year-old millionaire or a kid that just 
um, just got out of university and has a sweet job and wants a sweet ride. Yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, one thing that intrigues me in your journey to being a part of the Saskatchewan ecosystem, you've mentioned collabs already. How have you found the support that the Saskatchewan system can offer beyond friends and family from the point of uh, whether it's mentoring or other support services? You know, okay, so uh, this goes back to, uh, I guess at the beginning we were taught, I was talking about how can we, how we ended up in Saskatoon versus Calgary. And uh, I'll tell you a couple things about this city. Uh, there's a, for some, there's something nurturing about this town and I don't exactly know how it works, but there's something that goes on here. Like there's a, there's a helpfulness in a lot of people, uh, openness too, I would say, uh, just based on like, if you look at our experience so far. Um, but I would also say that, um, one reason why this city has been really helpful for us, apart from providing all the partners and the capital we've needed so far, is that you can literally just put your hands out like this and you can touch all the people you need to get connected to uh, because it, it is a smaller pond. And, um, and by virtue of this, you can move so much faster. Uh, and I believe that for startup companies, uh, that's, that's a, tremendous, uh, a tremendous benefit. Um, you know, Collabs, uh, Collabs didn't exist or it wasn't even on our radar when we began this project or began Kirby. Um, but we, you know, in fact, I don't even, we, were, we weren't even gonna, when we heard about it, we weren't that interested to be frank with you because um, we weren't thinking of raising capital in, uh, at, exactly at that time. Uh, we were focused entirely on launching a, a small, tightly run company that we were gonna grow organically. We wanted to take care of all of our customers and uh, you know, be proud of everything that we were doing uh, raising capital seemed like, a, I mean, I'm a finance guy for crying out loud. It seemed like jumping on a treadmill, you know, and uh, wasn't that interested in, to be honest with you. Was, sorry, was that the bit where you then either lost an element of control of the organization or it was then the accountability to a, to a separate paymaster? There's a lot of elements that happen when you start bringing other people into, uh, into an organization. Um, culture match is a, is a big part of it. And you don't always know what someone, what's, who someone is until you're in it, right? The, the trouble with taking their money is that you can't get them out <laughs> afterwards. So we were wary of that. Um, but I, I'd say that, you know, so what, what, what changes a person's mind like mine, right? Uh, where I, you know, or both of us, I should say, because we were both on the same page, my business partner and I. What changed our minds was, um, uh, having a conversation with Jeff Dick, he's one of the mentors at uh, um, at uh, Collabs, and uh, what he pointed out was something that I, I mean, I knew, but I just didn't understand it the way that he had the, the way that he communicated it. He said he pointed out that uh, within our sector, one of the companies, one of our models of influence, this company uh, uh, Carvana, they had IPO uh, back in uh, just over just over a year ago, is April of 2017. Uh, and that the IPO at $2 billion, which was a, a, a big, uh, a large uh, market cap. I forget what the, the price earnings ratio was at that time, but it was, you know, it was huge. And he pointed out, he said, like, here's the reason why you should be concerned about this. Uh, investors can see that there's a way that they can put money into companies that look just like you, and they can get money out at the other side and make money. And he says, that means that they're, they're going to be looking for companies like, like, like you guys. And uh, that means that there's going to be people out there who are just enterprising enough to make a business that looks like you. And so, and so like the rats kind of come out as the deal, right? So he's like, 
do you want to be the guy that like, um, do you want to be the guy that suddenly is competing with a, a very well-heeled upstart that started after you? Or do you want to be the guy that raised the capital uh, and was the well-heeled company uh, and not have to compete with that other person? And so we realized it made a ton of sense. You know, since we are, we are, we do have a first mover advantage for the time being, that goes away with time. Uh, it made sense to go make this thing bigger than it was supposed to be. Or sorry, than we initially, um, than we had initially envisioned. And, and what's interesting I've learned about growing companies is they have their own trajectory and their own energy. It's very much like raising a child. I presume I don't have kids, but um, and what I mean by this is that I can try as hard as I want to choose what this thing is supposed to look like. Uh, or I can let it grow to where it's supposed to be. Uh, and I can be supportive and nurturing all the way along. Every single time in our case that we tried to uh, transform the company into what we wanted to be, we had problems. Uh, but when we just adapted to what it was supposed to be, uh, things got a lot better, a lot faster. And so that's what we've decided to do. Uh, now we're raising this company. Just on the point of children and and businesses. Can I now apologize to my mum that the rug that was in front of the fireplace, it was it was me. I I accidentally set it on fire back in 1987. So, sorry, mum. <laughs> um, one of the things that you mentioned that does interest me particularly, and with this market and on other episodes of Startupville, we've discussed this in depth, is, is the mentoring area. You've clearly got a very good relationship with Darren, but I believe that you've got a relationship with Ian Meyer, and that started that you were mentoring him, and as your journey's gone on and his journey's gone on, he's ended up mentoring you? What's you going on there? That, eh? <laughs> I don't know you knew about that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so uh, I forgot about that stuff. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Ian Meyer, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was mentoring him back when he, uh, when he used, well, when he and his business partner Mike, uh, when they broke apart from, when they decided to leave the organization they were at, and uh, pursue their own thing, uh, they reached out to me because they were interested in knowing how to buy a company. Well, what, sorry, they were, at first what they should do, uh, and I suggested that they buy a company. And my suggestion came from not, not a place that I thought they couldn't start something on their own. I thought they were, they'd be great at it. Um, it was more that they had families to support, actually, so going back to kids. And so I thought the best way, the fastest way to getting revenue was to have a business that already had revenue. Uh, so, yeah, for about six months there, we looked at uh, buying various tech companies uh, across Canada. And uh, they investigated quite a few of them. Eventually, though, um, you know, it made sense for them to move into cons uh, um, consulting. And then from the consulting business branch off and build their own their own piece of hardware. So that's where they ended up going. And I was I was, I was grateful to see that they did because um, I mean I know that they've, they've been very successful, but also um, you know it was it served as a lot of inspiration for myself because I, I was still at the time you know working for not just a, com a corporation, but I was working for a crown agency and like they can make it really comfortable for people at those places, and it, which makes it hard to leave, you know. And um, yeah, so it was. Uh, I, they, they were, yeah, they inspired me in many ways to, to make sure that I, you know, pursued a similar path. And Darren, maybe I can ask you this one, because you've gone from a, a place of having a startup to uh, going into the agency world, which is, is a, an element of a departure between the two. As someone who's experienced both, how do you find um, startup ecosystems and starting on a, on a single thing to going to a more um, consultation-based 
uh, steering business helping others? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I th I mean, from a from a startup perspective, you're you're building something, you're building a product, um, you're looking you're looking at uh, building something up that ideally is bringing in recurring revenue. Um, and from an agency perspective or consulting perspective, you're essentially you're, you're essentially selling hours, right? Um, <clears throat> so those have their advantages. Uh, both of those have their advantages, and both of those have their uh, disadvantages. And for me, it's it's tough to I think have the patience to sort of like um, accept both and not always look at sort of the grass is greener on the other side. Um, because that's that's super easy, right? Like, oh, I don't have to listen to this customer on the agency side if I had a product. But then, really, if you have a product, ultimately you have to be really, really understanding who your customer is and listening to that to that customer, right? So, um, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's two different ways to get revenue, but you really have to understand your customer, right? Like, so foundationally, it's the same. They have totally different pros on on one side and on the other side they have cons. Uh, I don't know which one's better yet. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it comes down to passion and what you're really excited, what's sort of really lighting your fire, that um, it's where you should go. And I mean, that's what Alex is talking about is sort of if you allow it to become um, sort of like what it's supposed to be without really forcing it, then that path just happens. Yeah, and so we get back to the classic uh, passion, belief, and and purpose of what direction you take an organization, and whether you're in the agency world or um, creating a startup or an entity of its own. So, Darren, are you done and dusted with startups? Are you agency all the way, or are you involved in other enterprises? Uh, neither and both. <laughs> um, Territorial will continue in its uh, in its agency role and con consulting role, but uh, we were we are working on um, our own product, which is which is called Hugger, H U G R, and it's a mental health app that is born out of a lived experience within our own organization and filling a need that we see in the marketplace um, for a product that really helps people. Um, have better days uh, around their own mental wellness, um, as well as um, give them the tools to train the, the people in their lives to be better support people. That's really interesting. And where where is where is that on on the road in in its uh, life cycle? Yeah. So uh, we maybe did something crazy, and we just went all in and built it with, uh, I mean, the nice thing about having an agency is you've got all the toolkit, uh, you've got all the skills in the toolkit to build something. And so we went all in the last six months, we've we've built Hugger and we've taken it to, to beta. We've launched it, it is, uh, it is open for use. And we currently have um, a little over 50 uh, users that are beta testing it for us. And um, we are, we are looking uh, we are looking for partners um, for Hugger that can help, that will have a vested interest in it and will, and will help scale it. Before we depart, as time has beaten us, I'd really like to be able to uh, connect 
our listeners and viewers with you as people. So, uh, Darren, if we could start with you, how could people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, my email is Darren with one R B A R E N at territorial.ca or Darren McLean at any social media outlet. And, and uh, sorry, I cut you off there. Um, <clears throat> you can follow me. Well, you can follow the company, uh, Kirby. Uh, we're at Kirby Cars on Facebook and uh, Kirby Cars on Instagram. Uh, we also have uh, Twitter, but we don't use it very much. And uh, my email is alex at Kirby, which is spelled C U R. B-I-E Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, growing the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at WeTellYourStories.ca. The show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at StartupvillePod. See you next time on Startup Though.